Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Welcome everybody to this episode of The Talk. Jazakallah khair for tuning in. We're joined as always by uh, dear Sheikh Ikram, the founder of Academy Alive. How are you doing today, Sheikh? Good, alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum, Rabbi. Wa alaikum salam. Always beautiful to see you. Jazakallah khair. We've got a special guest today, Brother Akram. Akram is uh, a, dear friend of, a dear friend of mine that I've been working with for ages in different community projects. Akram, you're the founder of um, the Caribbean Wellness Centre and Heal the Mind. What are these? Uh, now, I, I personally know what these centres are because I come and visit you there and, and get your therapy for myself from time to time, mashallah. What do, what do you guys do there? What sort of work are you into? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. alaikum. So pretty much what we do is actually um, we we try to adopt a holistic approach to, to treatment of health and mental health. So pretty much what we do is actually we've got psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, um, dietitians, speech pathologists, social workers working all together in order to get the best outcome for our, for our clients, our patients. So how many staff you got all together? Quite a few, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't be able to count them. Uh, so we've got uh, so we've got our headquarters in, in Carby. Yeah. And then we've got pretty much, um, you know, our satellite entities around Brisbane and the Gold Coast. We cover pretty much areas of Brisbane and we've got also a place in New South Wales as well. So we do a bit of work in, in Sydney as well too. Marshall, now brother, you've got a beautiful accent, very sexy accent. <laughs> Where's it come from? What's your background? And how did you get into psychology? Yeah. So I was born and raised in, in France. So I just grew up in France, studied there. Pretty much the way I came to psychology was uh, a bit of a tragic event, actually. You know, it was following my upbringing, pretty much, you know, being uh, growing up in, in, um, in the low socioeconomics area. Mm. Uh, we had to witness a lot, of, uh, a lot of dramas, a lot of tragedies, a lot of death, a lot of um, losses, grief. And yeah, I mean, and even though uh, most of the population was from an Islamic background, from a you know, Muslim background, we still witnessed a lot of, a lot of pain. So I saw people pretty much uh, doing, yeah, doing very, very uh, traumatic things to each other. You know, I nearly got killed a few times without, you know, just be, be, <laughs> being a, a bystander mm. um, or trying to help someone. So seeing that and seeing all the pain and all the tragedy, yeah, just I wanted to help people. Yeah. And I really wanted to do something to change the fate of my community. Wow. It wasn't selfish. It was more for to help others. So, so yeah, so I slowly, slowly uh, got into psychology. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy because I had to wake up every day. My university was probably two hours away. Two this, and is, half hours. this is in France? In France, yeah. So I had to wake up. South of France, yeah. 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 Take the first bus, the first train uh, every day for, for over four years uh, and then travel uh, up to three hours uh, one way. And then Subhanallah. And, and three hours in the other way. Uh, sleep in the train, sleep in the bus. Brother, that's commitment, uh, mashallah. Really, sleep. that's commitment. Yeah, sleep on the table. <laughs> so how you end up in, a, in Australia? It's, a, it's an amazing story as well. So uh, I'll say that subhanallah, it's nasib. You know, Allah, Allah has different, uh, different things for different people. So how it, it all started is pretty much uh, lost my father. Allah yarhamu. So Allah yarhamu. passed away. When you, and ha how old were you when, when this happened? Yeah, it was uh, late, late teens, you know, uh, early 20s. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's just passed, passed away. And, um, yeah, so it's a bit of, it, it, was, it was sudden, you know, within a week. He was a really healthy guy. Um, just, and he taught me a lot about hard work. Um, yeah. Waking up every, every day at four in the morning 
just, just um, him getting up, yeah, going to work, every providing day, for you every day, just uh, six days a week. Wow. Uh, we wanted, we wouldn't see him throughout the week. We'll see him just o- over the weekend, mm. and uh, I had to make the effort to, to spend a bit of time with my father because, Subhanallah, just he, he worked hard, and um, so he come back at night six o'clock, uh, six yeah six o'clock, just eats, goes to, goes to sleep. Next day, same. Wow. Um, so yeah, I saw him, and uh, yeah, he was probably 50, 56 when he passed away. So he was pretty, pretty young. He is young. Uh, pretty young. Um, so yeah. So and meanwhile, just just before that, I've met a few amazing brothers from Australia, doctors, and uh, through another friend of mine, uh, through a, a rugby player uh, that I've met in France, mm. and then it's funny it all worked together, and uh, and they told me just come to Australia. And so at this, at this stage, you'd already completed studies, or you yeah, I had completed studies. I was working. I was okay. just I was doing my own thing. Yeah, and it was just before losing my father. So just before that, just probably just a couple of weeks before that. Mom, mom is still in France. Mom is still there. Uh, sisters, brother still there. So the whole family is still there. So pretty much how we did is actually you grew up in a, in a two bedroom house, in two bedroom apartment. Mm. So we all grew up together. So subhanallah, it was an sure. amazing thing. So, you know, five kids sleeping in one room. Wow. No privacy. Forget about <laughs> privacy. Forget about. But subhanAllah, it saved us from a lot of, lot of, lot of bad stuff. Yeah. Like you know, we didn't have a closed room policy. You know, we had no room. Yeah. We had no door in our room, so there's no door. So I mean, I mean a lot of people look at that as like a you know hardship, but I mean, I think. Uh, you know, we, we don't really have an idea of some that you know the, the value that there can be in the, in that shared struggle with people. Exactly. Like, do you look back on that as a, as a bad thing, or do you look back on that uh, as blessing. a rich experience? A blessing, a blessing. It taught me a lot of things. It taught me it taught me I mean how to share. Yeah, and that's a big thing nowadays. You know, just teaching kids you know to share and to sacrifice and to invest in each other and to invest. It's just amazing, mm. amazing. So I'll give you an example, very simple. Um, I will go to the supermarket and I'll buy. Um, chocolate bars and my sister will buy and just a few lollies and my brother will buy and then we get together and then just pretty much before you know you're richer because you've got one thing but then if you share it then it's time five so you've got chocolate and you've got chips and you've <laughs> good got point yeah it's just like you know you've got pretty much <laughs> you got the whole buffet now <laughs> but if you were by yourself with your with your chocolate bar mm. then it's just you and your chocolate bar good point you know so that's how I see it. I see it as also, uh, you know, uh, my my children. I like to make sure that they are occupied and busy, uh, because when they're not occupied and busy, they want to be alone. And usually, the shayateen come out to play when we're alone. Yeah. And the Prophet you know, he advises us to always keep good company. The first part is company is important. Being alone, the second person becomes shaitan. Yeah. Yeah. Second being becomes shaitan So I think that's also very beautiful mm. When you talk about a blessing I think a blessing that um, Especially in today's time yeah. uh, Especially in today's time where You know to be alone Or secluded is very simple All you need is a phone mm. Or mm. some electronic advice To yeah. to communicate and do whatever fahsha, You know whatever wrong uh, Doings we want to do yeah. And so I think that's a a big blessing, Subhanallah. Oh, it's amazing, you know. And how did your brother? How did your brother and sisters do in that same environment? Because it was a struggle. I mean, you rose above, you yeah. know, you were most, uh, rose amongst the thorns, so to speak. Mashallah. Yeah, how did am- they do? It's amazing, and and you know, in that same same environment, same, in the same token as well. So, you you inspire each other. Mm. You know, you just push each other. Mm. So you know, when I got my bachelor degree, my brother was like, 
I get my, my some healthy competition. How do, you, how do you how do you feel down when there's always someone, you know, uh, making you feel uh, positive uh, because there's always someone there? Yeah. Usually, when you when you when you when you're depressed, you you want to be alone, mm. but you're forced not to be alone. It's it's an amazing point that you're making, Imam. It's just. You're right. I mean, the thing is, again, today we, we have never been as connected in terms of technology. Mm. But one of the main causes of mental illness nowadays is isolation. It's crazy. You know, and loneliness. You know, so loneliness is a big, big problem. Not only in, in the Western community, in the Western society, but also in, in our communities as well. Uh, and because we're losing, you know, we, we have to understand that naturally, uh, I mean, I'm originally from North Africa, so I'm I'm from uh, a, a culture that's collectivist. So we do things together. Yeah, you know, we work with one another. We just we share. We uh, and we rise together. It's not about you or me. It's about we. And I think the problem that we you know we're losing that nowadays in in our modern society was just it's all about me. Nafsi, nafsi. We say it in Arabic. Mm. It's about the nafs. It's about me, 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 mm. myself, me, myself, and I is the king nowadays. You know, and what we don't understand is there is beauty and there is wealth in us. You know, Inshallah, subhanallah. and that's that's what's missing. Um, um, you know, um, the other angle is poverty or uh, simplicity. What would be the benefits? Also, <laughs> you know, because I can relate there. Uh, we, I, you know, we grew up uh, in a house that we were five sisters. And one brother and myself. And dad was, you know, earning the lowest wages you can ever get. You know? And what are, what are some of the what are some of the manfa'a benefits that you would derive from, you know, a being being of the you know low income, alhamdulillah, yeah. modest upbringing. I mean, the thing is, again, when you look at it, it it's all about what you define as poverty. You know, mm, good point. Uh, so. Poverty in what? I mean, nowadays we've got, we've got, alhamdulillah, enough money, but we're time poor. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, and, and the main source of wealth is time. And subhanAllah in the Quran, Allah swears by time. Mm. You know, so the thing is, again, we, we tend to take things for granted, time for granted. Yeah. You know, if I, I was to give you $24 million a day and was to tell you that at midnight tonight, it would disappear. What would you do? And I'd be, you'd be spending it. Be spending it. Much as you can. Yeah, be getting some new shoes. Yeah, you see, that's the thing. Do you want to introduce the elephant to the room? <laughs> the <laughs> elephant that just snuck in quietly. Welcome to Brother Dean. Like got stuck in traffic. Yeah, no we're just talking with Doctor Akram Sorry. in regards to. We just I spoke just about, um, you know, the the benefits of living. Very close, and uh, he was mentioning. Doctor was mentioning to us he had to stay with his brothers and sisters in one room. So he was talking about all the benefits, and I, I, we're then now talking about um, you know living living with basic means. Let's call it that's right. Yeah. Basic means. How beautiful it is to mm. live with basic means is one of the things that uh, it fascinates me, because as parents we love our children. No one, you know, no parent hate their children. We all love our children, but we define love very differently. Mm. And because a lot of our families come from poverty, come from difficult times, we think love then is defined by giving them abundance. Yeah. 
And it's a big, it's a big uh, deception that we we've created, mm. you know. And it it it's leading our children. I I, I appreciate the, the 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 simplicity. Let's call it the simplicity in my life because I have I had more of my father's teachings in my life. He gave me more time, more teachings than he gave me worldly possessions. Yeah, I see. It's a fun. It's Thank you so much for, for that comment. It's actually a beautiful comment. I mean, when you look at it, we, we always think and, and worry about what we're going to leave to our kids. Mm. But we're not worried about what we're leaving in our kids. Wow. Very well said. Yeah, yeah that's on, man. On, the, on that note, Sheikh, so um, take your father out of the equation growing up. Yeah. How do you think that would have impacted your life as a man? Uh, having in poverty at the same time? Yeah. Um my, my father was very a, a busy person at the same time. So when I talk, talk about my father um, you know, inspiring me, it wasn't him giving nasiha advice directly to me. But it was just watching him making the best of time. Mm. And so therefore, you know, I made the best of my time. I would take a lolly wrapper, sit there in the mosque, and make a small little plane out of it. I would dream as a kid. There's, it, it's not haram to be bored. It's not haram, you know, and that's the problem. Uh, you know, many a times my, my wife would be like, oh no, the kid's got nothing to do. You know, get the iPad. You know, wee, 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 you know. it's like a big scene. <laughs> we have to occupy them. Uh, sometimes, you know, um, you know, when the big kids leave and the small kids, they have to be in the room mm. because my wife's like, what are they supposed to do now? They don't get left alone and just get, they're not given a chance just to think. Yeah, 100%. And, mm. and this is my concern. You can see I'm passionate about this. You can see it's my wife. Mm. I hope when she watches this, she has mercy upon me. <laughs> I mean, but it, it, it's, it's, it, they need that time. They're in a safe environment. Mm. They need to go and discover and explore and, and grow. They cannot just be you know, uh, entertained by the parents and come to the door and say, Oh, daddy, what do I do now? Yeah, well, you're right. And that's my, that's my worry. Because as an imam, it was defined what my job and my role is in the 21st century, being an imam in Australia, and specifically Brisbane. You know, we thought, okay, you're going to become a teacher at a school or you're going to be an imam of a mosque. But mm. that, that wasn't what, you know, what, what, what made me happy. Mm. What made me happy was to do something that no one's doing, but to feel, fulfill a role. Mm. But that came because of me being very, you know, living a very simple life mm. and allowing myself to dream. If I had never had that simple life, I couldn't have dreamed. And so when I was an imam of a masjid, I found myself being bored because I wanted to be out there, go out there, do things, invent things, put things together, you know, and when it blows up in my face and then go back to the drawing board again <laughs> to get up and do the same thing again and again. And so therefore I find myself 17 years later still not being bored, not being, being as driven and energetic as the first day I started because my father, through his actions, taught me. And I had that time. It, today's time, children are busy watching iPad and mm. iPod and television. And they don't even see what we're doing anymore. But we had that time to look and observe our father, observe our surrounding areas and, and make a change. And I can see in Dr. Akram, uh, talking about you know the poverty happening around him, you know at times his life uh, being je uh, jeopardized or you know fatal moments in his life, it created that image that he was able to take that, turn it into positive energy, 
and make a change in the society or contribute towards society. Wallahu alam that it's the remedy um, of success, but it was something on my benefit growing up, and Allah knows best. You know, look, uh, responding to a lot of calls from community, you know, where there's dramas at home, the kids are going off the rails, and I'm, uh, you know, inshallah, I'll, I'm keen to see if this is if this is accurate or if you have the same experience. But you know, like. 95% plus more of, of the, the phone calls I get where the young men are off the rails, dad's not there. Mm. That's, like, why, it, that's why I raise that question, you know. It's, um, we don't know the statistics or anything like that, but, you know, the guys that we deal with. Don't make it of, up, but up, please. No, nah, I'm not making it up. This time. <laughs> I'm not making it up. 18%. Pull, 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 pull too many things out of the, out of the bag. <laughs> nah, look, um, I know I can speak from experience. Yourself, a majority of the guys that we deal with, that's one of the that's key factors that you know that adds to the um, the underdevelopment of these people, you know, and um, you know something that's lacking in their life. Subhanallah, it's you know a father figure is a big part of your life 100%. and family unit, and without that, you know these kids we find that go wayward, you know myself included, um, you know because they're, they're missing that um, guidance from mm. you know from their father. Subhanallah, we're, oh, we're, we're human beings, we're you know and creation I, of guidance. And if you look at the traditions of the Arabs, you know you know prior to Islam, they understood that. And that is why Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when his father passed away, even though his mother was still alive, he was put into the care of his grandfather, mm. and then put into the care of his of his of his, uh, of his uncle, uh, because of that. What you're saying, you know, whether it's a male or female, whether it's the daughter or the son, they both need that father role in their life. I think you're touching on a on a very important point there too. I mean, the thing is when you look at it. Um, you know, there's that old say that says that it, it takes a community to raise a child. Mm. Where's the community? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the thing is, again, the father is, is very important because the father will give you the sense of a sense of discipline. Discipline is important for a child because the child needs to know when he's doing right and when he's doing wrong. And he's, he needs to have some kind of feedback there. But also guidance. Guidance is very important. And the last point, not, not the last point I said, but one other point is sense of responsibility. Mm. What's my responsibility? What's my role? So seeing our fathers just getting up in the morning and going to work, using their time, wow, I've got a responsibility. You know, I've got a role to play in this society. You know, if you don't have that being played in front of you, you know, how do you find out? How do you learn from that? Yeah, it's monkey see, monkey do. Uh, uh, doctor, can I, take it, can, I, can I take it one step further? Yeah. We, 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 we've you know, signified the importance or relevance of having a father figure in the house. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that I can highlight in today's time is that you know every man's for himself, mm. and and and, and it, it's 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 the scenario of now not having a father. What about in a home when the mother and father don't agree on on something? Does it play an impact on the child? Because mm. I, I as a kid I always looked at my mother's face and thought, surely there's something that she disagrees, but we never saw that. Wow. And, and, and so therefore, you know, that never played, <coughs> shaitan did not play a wiswas in our life because mom agreed, dad agreed, khalas, that was the way. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's important to be on the same page. You know, I mean, it is important for a father, for a mother, for a couple, for, for anyone. I mean, the thing is, again, for any organization, if you've got different rules, different, you know, it's going to be difficult. You know, you're going to create a bit of confusion there. You know, if dad says yes, no, mom says no, uh, oh, no, I know. You know, I'm just going to go see dad or see mom and then I'm going to play them against I mean kids are, are smart 
Okay, and we shouldn't just like say, "Oh, yeah, it's so cute." Yeah, they're cute until a certain age. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. after that, they become very smart. You yeah. know, and and you need to know this. And it is important for the father, for the mother, for for the husband and the wife, or, you know, to be on the same page. Yeah. I mean, showing disagreement is important too. I won't say that actually we should just hide all all disagreements. Showing that there are some disagreements is important too because we've got kids growing up in a in a in an illusion that the world should be like we all agree on everything mm. uh, when it, it's not the case. I mean, they get married and then oh my god, you know, <laughs> why isn't this woman just doing everything <laughs> I ask her to do? Yeah, that, that's it. Good luck, know? buddy. So yeah, they need to know or they need to learn how to manage conflict. It is important in a healthy way. Yeah, uh, doctor, through your experience and your knowledge, uh, talking about now, um, you know, youngsters getting into drugs, yeah. does poverty or the lack of parenthood play a major role? I mean, poverty is definitely a factor. Uh, we call them factors. You know, we can, you know, just, you know, they are definitely risk factors. So you got uh, social economics has always been uh, a factor. I mean, the lack of stability at home is also a factor. And then there is what we call free will as well. Mm. So free will is important too. We've got the environment, you know, what environment we're in. So the thing is, again, when you look at it, we have certain predispositions. I'll give you an example. Some kids, you will tell them, don't touch, they won't touch. Some other kids, you will say, don't touch, they will touch. You know, and that's how they will know. Mm. You know? So yeah, we've got some, you know, and that's what we find. We find actually some kids are predisposed you know, to, and that's why we, we, we can actually probably even talk down the track about something called you know, um, delayed gratification. You know, it's it's about it's about that. It's touching to that. It's just that I want to know. I want to know now. I want to have. I want to have it now. Um, and and the research show that again, uh, people who can't wait or kids actually that can't wait uh, tend to actually have uh, problems down the track with 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 uh, with justice and wow. with, wow. with the law system. Brother, do you see? You know, one of the big things that we're trying to arrive at some conclusions about um, in, in these discussions is, is this really a significant, is, you know, substance abuse a significant issue in our community? Um, are we somehow, does, uh, are we somehow protected more than other people, communities? Are our youth less affected by drugs and alcohol than other, than other youth? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny, you know, I mean, the thing is, we think that Islam is going to protect us from everything, mm. which actually in, in, in practice, in essence, yeah. It, it's yes, but the problem is in practice. Yeah. It's a bit of an issue there. Really Why? Because the thing is, when you look at it, you can't say, yeah, you know what? You know, I don't. No, I think we have to understand that there is human nature, you know? And I mean, the thing is, if we look at history of Islam and, and if we go back to Sayyidina Lut, and we see Salam. that things were happening there, you know? If we look at, you know, even before, before uh, Sayyidina Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, People were just using things. So it, drugs and alcohol and all stuff has always been there. Okay, It's not a new phenomenon. Mm. The problem is, unfortunately, in Australia, we're probably 10 years be, be behind the States and Europe in terms of social um, problems. Yeah, is stuff. it a good thing or bad thing being behind? It's actually a good thing if we take action. <laughs> if we take lessons from... Yeah. If we take action, happening. it's a good thing. Why? Because we can plan. Right. We still got time to plan. We still got time to fix some of those things, um, because I've seen the results. Uh, if we don't do something, uh, if we don't do anything, 
And when I say if we don't do anything from a college point of view, so mm -hmm. it has to be something we do from um, top top to bottom. And then we get everyone involved. Mm. We get the community leaders. We can, every, you know, the, the health practitioners. We get, you know, you know, whoever, you know, wants to be involved. I think it is important uh, that we get everyone involved and, and try to change that. So to respond to your question, yes, it is becoming a major issue in our community. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it is still a stigma. It's still hidden. Uh, it's something that we don't talk about. It's something that we feel ashamed about. You know, actually, we shouldn't feel ashamed about it. We should just try to fix it. You know, rather than just hiding it, because the more we hide, the more it grows, uh, and that's how that's how it is. And brother, is this something that you're seeing is increasing in your in your practice yeah. in particular? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm seeing it. You know, actually, now the age is also younger. So yeah. we used okay. to have you know people accessing drugs and alcohol at a later age, or and now we find actually people in a in a teenage years. I'll say. 13, 14, 15, 16 years old now actually are getting involved into that. Why and do you say this happening? Is it because exposure or accessibility? I think it's just, the, you know, that, that culture. You know, mm. the, the culture that we have, you know, where you have to make money and you have to make money quick. Yeah. You know, and then if you don't make money quick, you're a failure. And you're a failure, you're, you're useless. Mm. You know? I guess on, on that point, you know, a, a little while ago it would have been if I don't have something if I'm hungry um, I need to work I need to get out there there's no other options for me nowadays I think because of these things are so accessible mm. you know this becomes that step before that that alright I can turn to this if I need you know if I want to put food on the table if I, if I need money I'll look sure. at this that's not even getting looked at the other end of and it it becomes you know, a justification I've got to pay yeah. my bills I've got to help my mum out so mm. it's all good like I know it's not good but I've got to take care of mum so yeah. You know what I mean? It I mean, you know, I, I was I was just a, a young a young boy when I stopped asking money from my parents. You know what I used to do, but it's just I don't know. You know, from a young age, you know, we used to have um, so in our community we had like support workers and, and social workers, yeah. and what they did is actually they used to have like you know subsidized tickets, you know, for the movies, for concerts, for um, you know, for the you know just like theme parks and all that yeah. stuff. So what I used to do is I used to go there and just buy, buy them in bulk. You know, nice. I'll get them for like very cheap. So I buy, buy them in bulk. I'll take the train and I'll stand in front of the theme park. Mashallah. And I will sell those tickets. Halal hustle, man. I'll make Halal my you. money. I'll make my money. I'll come back. Yeah. And then my friends, where do you get the money from? You know, I, I didn't have to tell them yeah. that I was doing those things. But this is what I had to do. And I was very young. I was actually too young to work. Once I was able to work, I started to work. I was standing at four in the morning, you know, uh, in like in shopping, in a, in a supermarket like Woodworth, and I was putting things in a freezer, no gloves, nothing, just like doing that just to pay my, you know, my, my studies. And then that's what I did to do. MashaAllah. You know, so, again, you know, it's not that I'm special. It's just like we can all do this. It's a choice. It's an option. And we, we've all got that option to take the high road. Yeah. We've all got, all got the option to work hard. And, that's and it. And I was probably 11, 12 years old, wow. probably 13 years old. When, when people approached me, I said, come, you don't need to go to school. Give you some stuff. You just have to stand here. You know, if someone comes in, just sell it to them. You know, and you make more money in one day than your dad will make in one month. That's what they used to tell me. You, you mentioned that, um, which is very um, interesting. You mentioned that uh, one of the signs, um, you know, of y y uh, youngsters breaking the law is that they want things done quickly. Mm. What are what are other some some of the other signs that you know? Um, are things to be uh, w you know aware of? 
I mean, the thing is, it doesn't have to lead to, but it'd be, yeah. it'd be good as parents to observe. There's one, one, one thing that comes to my mind straight away is the the unwillingness to share. Yeah, you've got a child that doesn't want to share. You have to somehow come up with strategies. You know why? Because the thing is, again, if a child doesn't want to share, then most likely he's not going to he's not going to be willing to to sacrifice. Mm. You know. And if he's not willing to sacrifice, wow. then he's not going to sacrifice his dunya for his akhirah. Wow. Wow. It's I love psychology. Right? I love all this stuff, you know, it's because it, you get into the nitty gritty of how we think and why we think, and it just fits hand in glove with din. Subhanallah. And, and, and that's, it's, it's all about that. And that's <coughs> what I'm saying. I just, and I've got actually a few, a few seminars on that, you know, on just, you know, the, the, value, the, value, of the, you know, the value of sacrifice, you know, the, the, you know, just the pleasures of, you know, it's a delayed gratification. Mm. You know, the essence of bad, the, the essence of evil, mm. and 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 the need for good. We need good. We need a lot more good. You know why? Because we have to fight. You know, against external forces, mm. and also internal forces. Yeah, we're surrounded. Yeah, you know, and we can't. It, it, you know, salvation doesn't come only from ourselves. We need others. Mm. Well, just getting back to the um, the drug and alcohol um, topic. So. Obviously, you, in your practice, you you know you said that you deal with a lot of these individuals that are battling with these um, demons as such. Yeah. Um, for us as a society, um, what do you think the the things that we can do to have a positive impact on these people? Um, you know, you're doing your best in, inside that therapy room. You know, mashallah, and inshallah, that has some sort of um, has some sort of impact on these people. But for us as a society, what other things do you think that we can do? to you know be a positive change to this problem instead of a negative i think it's a beautiful question i mean the thing is again i agree i agree i mean the thing is we can we can talk and that's great you know talking is fantastic we can give nasiha and it's fantastic you know give advice and give guidance fantastic but every single person i mean every one of us here has what we call practical needs yeah. that have to be fulfilled i don't know you know i need uh, to be able to pay my bills, you know, uh, that child uh, needs a ride in order to go to work, you know, the other guy can't afford to pay for his license. He needs something there, you know. So he's got a mother that struggles, and we all have practical needs. Mm. I mean, I see a lot of people that suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, from from a lot of, I mean, traumas that they've been they've been through, and. It's funny, it's just amazing. It's amazing. As soon as you tell them, okay, what do you need? Forget about the things. Let's put the counseling on the side. What do you need? Straight away, they start opening up. Uh, actually, I didn't want to say because I was, I was shy, but I need money to pay my rent. Okay, let's start with this. Once you find the money to pay their rent, you find that actually some of the symptoms drop. Why? Because less anxiety, less mm. stress. So straight away, the stress, post-traumatic stress. So the stress goes down. Now they actually, you've done half, you've done actually one quarter of the work. So now you've got the trust. SubhanAllah, you, you know what? It's, um, I thank Allah that we're all here and we're doing, going through this experience, inshallah, together. Mm. Um, going down this path, you know, has been very eye-opening for, uh, for me. Brother Robbie and myself, we actually um, we attended a health retreat um, that that's you know focuses health and well-being, drug and alcohol, uh, drug and alcohol addiction, 
um, PTSD, anxiety and stress and depression, all these things, right? And subhanAllah, we, um, we walked in there, I guess, with sort of a, a one-way mentality that was from our experiences and what we learned and, mm. and whatnot. And that was that the drugs and alcohol are the problem, right? Mm. So um, we were sort of stuck on that, on that um, way of thinking. And after spending two, two and a half hours with this lovely man that owns the place, 71-year-old, um, he's got a beautiful, a big reputation in the community, beautiful guy, um, you know, he educated us on that the drug and alcohol abuse is actually a symptom of the, you know, the, the, um, the problems that lie within, you know, these things that you're talking about. It's a, it's a way to mask and, and it's the outlet for this thing. So if we focus more upon the trauma and the, the problem at hand that's one step before the, the drug and alcohol abuse, then inshallah, that stuff all goes away, like what you're saying. You know? I mean, the thing is most, most, um, most of the drug abuse and, and, and most of the addictions also, I mean, come with uh, what we call a comorbid condition. So there is a presence of two, two conditions. So there's an addiction, but there's also a mental illness. Mm. You know? so, and the thing is, again, if you try to treat the addiction alone, Without exploring the mental illness, mm. uh, you're not going to go very far. You know, you just you're just going to scratch the surface, and then what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Pretty much, you actually going to have someone that has more chances to actually relapse. Would that would that be with with all addictions? Most of them, yeah, yeah, most of them. You whether it be smoking or whether it be gambling. pornography, gambling. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, again, there is always what we call, you know, there is tension. You know, so the thing is, it, it, you know, you have to to be able to actually, you know, a lot of people, you know, go through things and they go through impulses and they go through things and then unable to to stop those impulses. Therefore, just they go through that cycle of pain. Okay, relief and pain, relief, pain. Relief, pain. Relief becomes pain, you know. And then, you, you know, because you've got pain, you need relief, you know. And then mm. it's just it's a never-ending thing. And that's why when they're sad, happy, uh, frustrated, they would you know, lead on to their addiction because it's usually what we call a maladaptive coping strategy. So addictions are maladaptive coping strategy. So that's the way to cope. Uh, Doc, one step back. What is an addiction? I mean, an addiction is something that you you unable to. Uh, you know, to, st- you know, to stop consciously, you know, just, you know, it's an impulse most of the time, you know, it's just, it's something that actually, obviously, is going, is going to affect not only, you know, your health, but also your relationship, I mean, your relationships, uh, you know, your financial situation, and, and pretty much so. so it's something that you, you know, I'll give you an example, some people can drink alcohol o- occasionally without being addicted to it, mm. which, what, what does that mean? It just means that they're able to discipline and stop themselves when you get into an addiction you're unable to stop it and you feel that you need it so there is that sense of again as we said before there is that i need the relief i need the relief i need the relief and the belief becomes like i need this in order to get the relief but the problem in reality is that relief becomes pain because research show that you most likely you know i mean a lot of people i mean most of the suicide occur usually when the person is actually under influence why? Because the the barriers and you know and then everything falls. Mm. So there is nothing that stops you from from actually, you know, just falling through. 
when's the time to put your hand up and ask for help? I mean, let's say a family that that they they figured out that their kid is starting to dabble in drugs. You know, is that a time to call someone like yourself? You know, how do you do that, and how do you approach the kid? You know, because a lot of parents don't know how to approach the kids. The kids refuse to sort of open up and, and discuss it. Mum will find, let's say, pot or other drugs in the kid's room and it just becomes an argument and everyone sort of stonewalls. And how, what's a good way to approach someone that's in those early stages yeah. to try and get them to open up and, and discuss it and if need be, you know, sort of refer on for help? I think the most, the most important thing is we have to understand that and that's a golden rule too. The two golden rules that I try to follow. Number one, you can't save everyone. And that's clear. You have to understand this. You can't mm. help everyone. Yeah. The thing is, again, number two, you can't help the one that doesn't want to be helped. It's mine, yeah. That's a very bit. That's a very big and bit. And I, it, it's absolutely true. But it's a very big and bitter pill to swallow if you're a parent looking at a 16 year old who's just getting involved in stuff, and you're just literally watching their life go from you know a good place to start mm. to take this trajectory, and just feeling powerless to be able to do I anything. Mean, about the advice it. for parents is, don't give up. Mm. Why? Because there is a certain time where they, they're going to turn around. But if you're not present, you're going to miss them. And therefore, what's going to happen, they're going to go even lower. Yeah. So for parents, I mean, that's struggling with, with people, with their, you know, with children, you know, I mean, who are addicted to substances, who are addicted to, to certain things, certain behaviors, uh, don't give up. You know, don't give up because you don't know when Allah's mercy is going to come. Mm. Brother, you, you've got far more experience than, than we do in this space. Um, you know, we've obviously worked on it from one side, you know, on the ground, on the street, and speaking to these guys and from experiences, obviously from a clinical perspective. Um, what like what would you like to see um, in the community or in, in our Muslim community as um, a sort of – what sort of establishment or what sort of help do you think that needs to be developed in our community past – you know, therapies and stuff that you guys are doing yeah. that's going to help because we just, you know, we hit our head on the against the wall sometimes. There's nothing, you know. Yeah, but it's, it's funny because we invented the first mental health hospital, Muslims. Really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 that's quite strange because, you know, if you mental, uh, you mentioned in the community, uh, you know, that you're going to go see a psychologist, they think, brother, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Sakfullah, you know, what? what, what? Why, why go to a psychologist? Go straight to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. But you see, there is, there is what we call, and probably you will, you, yes. probably yeah. you will you confirm this, there is, there is what we call tawakal, like you have trust in Allah, but there is also action. Yes. You know, if you only have tawakal, that's not enough. And then we say, it's just the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, it's not just like, yeah, yeah, rely on Allah, make dua, fantastic, right? We, I'm all for it. But if you don't take that step, <laughs> your condition is never going to change. You know, and that's the problem. The problem is the fact that I, I meet a lot of people who tell me, you know, yeah, I'll leave it to Allah. Yeah, great, leave it to Allah, but, you know, take that step too. That, that's interesting because it, it, it brings me to an eye of the Quran where um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the Prophet of Allah, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ That, O oh, Prophet of Allah, tell, your, tell the Ummah that um, if you ask me, I am close. But Allah has got a, has a condition of us being helped. And that is we become a da'i. Not just a person that has that, you know, that, that, that willingness to make a change. It's what Doc mentioned about the second one, that a person has to have that willingness to want to change. So Allah Ta'ala will only help when we make that move, when we make that decision, when we decide that, no, I need help. I need to do something about it. 
when we call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we'll, we'll accept his du'as. And I think the most important thing as well is is the belief. When I say just belief, it just, a lot of people say, yeah, you know, you know I've, I've got faith. Yeah, faith is great, but, you know, believing in something is also, you know, when you believe in something, you, you know that thing. You know, if you believe in God, you have to know God. Therefore, you have to come closer to God in order to understand. You have to learn about God. Mm. But God says that I'm to you what you think of me. And so the thing is, again, we somehow, I mean, well, I don't know if it's cultural. I don't know if it's something that we all share. But I grew up with the idea, Jahannam, Jahannam, Jahannam. You know, just beware, Jahannam. And, and that disturbed me for a long time. Mm. A long time I was a bit confused. You know, why, why, does, why does that have to be that way? If I make a mistake, I'm going to go to Jahannam. But what I found, I found actually it was a way for others to probably to control me. You know, but what I understood as well, I understood that, as and that's also the wisdom of my parents. Our parents, Subhanallah, just we grew up in in a Western society. We grew up in in uh, in a Catholic country where you know majority of the population identified as Christian. Um, so, Subhanallah, my, our parents actually pushed us to to socialize with other cultures and other faith. You know, so what we did is actually one day I come across a few people and then I, I go to church. Go to church, just to go to church. So I sit down in church, and this guy says, "This guy, uh, you know that, that, you know the the priest says, God loves you." That changed my life. <laughs> just that word. Subhanallah. God loves you. <laughs> so then I just scratch my head a bit and just God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, and then go back and just like, hey, actually. It's it's simple. You can't believe, you know. I'll give you a very simple thing. You're in a relationship, yeah? If your wife is scared of you, if she's got a deep fear of you, would she be able to love you? If she's very, very scared and afraid of you, would she be able to love you? I would say no. Yeah. Well, not love from the right place anyway. Yeah. 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 She, would, she would be frightened. So she would do whatever you want her to do yes. because she would be afraid of your reaction. So now the opposite. If your wife is fond of you, yes. she can only see you. Would she be scared to lose you? She'll be scared, yes, for sure. It reminds me of the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Iman nisfan. Iman is made up of two. Nisful khawf or nisful raja. That's right. That Iman is not just on fear. Yes. Iman is a perfect balance between Fear and hope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes. And there's a beautiful book from Imam Ghazali. Imam Muhammad Ghazali is a beautiful book on hope and fear. We need the balance between hope and fear. If you've got too much fear, you won't be able to have hope. And if you've got too much hope, you become heedless. You know, and you become dangerous to yourself and mm -hmm. others. So you have to maintain that balance between hope and fear in order to maintain a balanced life. And the Prophet Muhammad says, so, so. see your religion and see your deen as a balanced thing. You just approach it from a balanced way. Mm. Don't go at the extremes. Just try to stay balanced in everything you do. So now, to go back to love. Love has to come first. If fear comes first, it breaks you know, that love. And you're unable to see the love of Allah. I teach my kids to love Allah. Then I teach them to be conscious of Allah. Not scared, conscious. Why? Because if they're conscious of Allah, then they will know that Allah is watching me. Allah is listening to me. Allah 
is going to make me accountable for the things I do. Mm. I'm sure there's a there's a lot of the Muslim parents out there that use that fear of Allah as that imaginary stick. Yeah, but you it know? doesn't if last. If you do this, it doesn't it's last. Especially um, in a country like Australia, uh, Doctor, you mentioned uh, growing up in France, being a Catholic uh, religion-based um, culture, but somewhere like Australia, it's more of an atheist uh, approach. Mm. And when they see God from the angle of just fear versus not having a God, we see more and more people leaving the fold of Islam because of it. Yeah. Because we haven't given the right dosage and the right understanding of Iman, having that perfect balance between the both. But you see, that's the thing too, and that's why we've got Rasulullah I mean, the thing is, when you think about Rasulullah you think love. And you can imagine without Rasulullah how do you strike the balance? Yeah. Yeah. In theory, saying have that balance is quite doable, but practically, it's close to impossible. Yes. Unless you have Rasulullah as that role model yes. to create that perfect balance. Exactly. And that's, and that's the idea. The idea, you know, I'll, I'll always you know, use the Prophet as, as an example. And a lot of people say, no, I'm not the Prophet. I said, it's not the point. <laughs> the point is about who are your role models? That's right. Who, yeah. who inspires you? What are you who are you looking up to? You know, if you are looking at up to you know, you know, to the the next American rapper, of course you're going to struggle. Of course you're going to struggle. So the thing is, you need to have balanced role models as well. You need to understand that. You need to to see love and mercy, mercy, alamin, mercy, mercy. You know, for for you know, for the, for the not only for our community but for the world. You know, we we need to bring mercy. You know, so we're going to make mistakes, and that's for sure. Mm. We're gonna fall, and that's for sure. You know, that's for sure. So no one can say that he's never, he's never failed, never fallen. We we all somehow, to certain extremes, such you know, we all fell. I'll just give you an example. We all been toddlers. You know, I mean, when you're a toddler, you know, you're crawling. The first thing that happens after that is you taking that first step. What happened? You fall. You fall. Okay, you fall. But so when you fall, do you get hurt? Yes. Yeah, you get hurt. Sometimes probably you cried. We all cried probably. Probably we called our moms. That's the first thing we do. We still do it. <laughs> we, still <laughs> do it. <laughs> we still do it. So did you stop? No. Why? That's insane. You're falling. You're getting hurt. You're crying. And you're not stopping. Why? It's wrong. That's insanity. Continued, and what happened at the end? You walked, and it changed your life forever. It changed your your whole world forever. It became you became independent. You know, Subhanallah. It's, you say that it makes me think. I was listening to a motivational talk thing not long ago, and um, the the guy was talking about you know he's he's given the exact example of you know when you're little when when you start off life, and you're learning to walk. Everyone's clapping and, and encouraging, you know, everyone's so happy for you. Oh, look at you, you're walking. And you fall over and everyone goes, oh, oh it's okay. And they, you're back up on the feet and everyone's clapping. You know, they're celebrating that success. And then the older you get, like, and, and that encourages you to just carry on and, 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 and learn to walk and run and, and, and move on through life. But then there, there comes a point in your life where it shifts and 
and and every time we fall over everyone's just there to focus on that no one's clapping every time when we stand up anymore and it's it's really hard to succeed and it makes me think about you know addiction and stuff like that it gets to a point where everyone just looks down on you you know and it's just all criticism and look at what you've done and look at what you're doing mm. you know instead of celebrating the successes and trying to help them stand and it's all tied up i mean the thing is when you look at it, addictions pain depression we don't want to get hurt we don't want to go through pain Mm. But we don't understand that subhanAllah just this life is made to break our heart. Yeah. And it is going to break our heart. It's supposed to. But we are not prepared. We're heedless. And therefore when things happen, we mm. react. We panic. And then we just drown. And look from a from a, a psychological point of view. I mean, uh, there's processes right that we go through when we hurt, when we when we go through grief and things like that, yeah. right? And it's as you said, it's supposed to hurt, and and there's a healing that comes from that, and we 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 heal stronger and and we move on. But you know, when we try when we interfere with that process, right, with substances and things like that, I mean, what are we doing to ourselves? Are we just kind of staying stuck in that place? But you see, the, the problem is this. I'll just give you an example. When when you're sick. Okay, when you when you're sick, uh, when you've got the flu, let's say, the only thing that I remember from it is, yeah, that was painful. Yeah, I couldn't move. Yeah, it's just like uh, I had a headache. Yeah, but what we don't understand is, your body was fighting it, so you produced more antibodies. Your body got stronger and boosted your immune system, mm. you know, to get rid of this thing. So in the process of this, you got sick, yes, but you got stronger. Mm. And that's what we don't understand. We, you know, when the bees stings us, when the mosquitoes sting us, we only, oh, oh that's painful. And would it be safe to say that you, you know, when that, that, that process of grief happens and then you're turning to these substances, yeah. it actually does the opposite. So your, your system is becoming weaker because you're yes. becoming dependent on these things exactly. that are getting in the West. Mm. Yeah. So you're trying to fix pain. You're trying to fix some kind of, you want, you want some relief and you want it now. Because you can't wait, you know why? Because obviously it's 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 greater than we think it is. Because it's also attached to fears, to expectations, you know. And you don't want to fail yourself. You don't want to fail others. I had I had a gentleman, you know, a Muslim guy. He had to use it in order to go to work. Mm. But he was telling me that I ha he had to use gear. He has to use substances because it was worse for me for him not to go to work as a man, because he had to provide for his family, then actually the way that substance was making him feel. Well. Mm. Expectations. Especially for men and young men. The thing is, again, we don't realize this. We don't realize that. I mean, there are many expectations placed on women too. And, and actually, I feel for our sisters, our mothers, our daughters, mm. because life is becoming obviously more challenging. But... I also feel for our young brothers and and you know and our sons uh, because the expectations they are are getting you know higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and and obviously you know I mean it's becoming harder and harder for them to meet those expectations and that's how a lot of them collapse. 
you know, we get so stuck in moments, you know, it feels like things are just never going to end. And yeah, learning how to cope and, you know, what suburb means, you know, right? It's not just patience, it's endurance and steadfastness. And it's just, you just got to hang on. You just got to hang on and this th- this moment will pass, you know. You can, yeah. it, everything, everything's temporary, subhanAllah. But it's, the, the moment just becomes so much to deal with and we don't know how to how to do that you know like in the in the prisons i'm seeing guys in in solitary confinement who are slashing their own throats like this stuff's happening daily yeah. you know they're they're doing the most horrific things to themselves there's a guy who eats himself who eats parts of his own flesh like this guy ima- imagine how much suffering and pain these poor human beings are in to 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 be doing this you know and it, it's it shows i think it's a society where like you know i don't remember ever learning, learning anything in school about how to cope with Heartaches and hardships of life. And I don't think the jail helps them in any way. No. It makes things worse. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, again, when someone does something wrong, we punish. I mean, I don't say that discipline is a bad thing. But I said that punishment without l- teaching a lesson, a lesson that has to be learned from it. Punishment doesn't have any value then. Then, yeah, it just becomes torture. Yeah. And, and then you're torturing the person for torturing someone else. Oh, yeah. How does that make sense? Oh, we, we've had this discussion the other night. We've you know, seen a few brothers um, that have come fresh out of jail. Mm. Honestly speaking, these guys are put in the worst of the worst conditions. They're put in a, in a position coming out of jail that they um, they just can't – there's no way up for them. You know, They're put in a place that RSPCA, if RSPCA was called to this place mm. – you know, that shut the place down. I mean, it's funny Not fit for, for humans, let alone animals, you know? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because now people tend to, nowadays, people tend to value more animal lives than human lives. Yeah. Well, do, you know what? Literally, I was just speaking to a brother yesterday or the day before who did some time in a facility in, um, in New South Wales. And this place was um, closed down and then it reopened as a pound for dogs, okay, and it was deemed to be not um, fitting, not fit to house the dogs. So they yeah. closed it down and they reopened it as a facility to keep men in detention. But if you well. look at if you look at some jades in, in in France as well, you've got anything between six to to nine, sometimes you know, sometimes ten, eleven, twelve. You know, um, I mean, you know, inmates in in one cell, and that cell is probably nine square meters. I guess the question would be. Do they get reformed after prison sentences? You know? Are they are, are they ever the same again? If they don't get that, like you mentioned, they don't learn a lesson behind the punishment. How can that ever be a, ref- a way of reforming? Mm. But that's also also valid for parenting as well. So I think it is important for us to understand that if you punish your child without telling him why you punished, or okay, what are the consequences for doing what he's doing? And for him to understand, or for her to understand the consequences, then what you're doing is creating resentment. Look, um, brothers, we we are running short of time. I just wanted to um, finish on one question. If let's say we've got a, f- a family, they figure out their kids are using drugs. If they're unable to convince the child to come in and, and seek help and all that, and they, the kid just doesn't see it as a problem at that point. Would there be wisdom in the parents coming and seeing someone like you just to figure out how to cope and how to better communicate and how to be there for that person and what they should do? Because as much as the kid has got no idea about what to do with this situation, the parent has no idea how to handle it either. I mean, Can you help people with that? I think, you know, it's, you know when, we, when dealing with addictions or dealing with mental health or dealing with any, any, any societal uh, problem, 
it's not a isolated issue or mm. something that's just an individual issue it, it, we have to look at the system and when i say the system is first of all the individual within the family within society you know but when I, uh, between society and 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 the family we have never been in a greater need of a community than today wow you know so where is the community mm. we need institutions strong institutions institutions that people can approach and people can use we need fair clear transparent ins- institutions that actually can help and assist and accommodate some of those needs we don't have those things we've got alhamdulillah beautiful messages we've got something like this that's pretty and i have to say just i have to thank you for you know for your vision because izakallah kull khair for for um for your kind words i being australian born Aussie born and seeing what the masjids have uh, become alhamdulillah they've provided a beautiful service being the houses of allah but i think the definition is much broader than that and that is why we got places like academy alive um to allow anyone and everyone to feel welcome to come and for anyone and everyone to understand that we all have diseases mm. we are all we all sinners we all need help and i wanted academy alive to be one of those places that anyone and everyone can come and get help here at academy alive yeah. and that's a beautiful thing as well so we need we need institutions we need visibility we need mm. people to know that there is something there for me you know so to respond to your question mm. because it was a clear question can parents attend you know seek help without their kids knowing that's that's what i do Okay. Oh, it's <laughs> happening now. I, I it's see, already I happening. See, I see a lot of parents actually. Sorry Without doc, I know you said it's the last question. What are other th- uh, other type of um needs that you provide uh, for mental health? Uh so we're talking about you know parents or uh, you know clients that ha- are, are 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 going through drug addictions. What are other uh clinical medi- uh, medical um Alhamdulillah through Allah's mercy, you know, we managed to uh, to have a bit of experience in in a few things. I mean I was the the head of welfare careers and uh, and well-being at the Islamic College of Brisbane. I did an amazing uh, job there, mashallah. For, for, for a few, you know, really so alhamdulillah, it's Allah, it's not us. We we just we're just a tool. Uh, he's the one, mashallah. He's he's the one. Subhanallah. Without him, we wouldn't be able to take a step. Without him, subhanallah, just Facts, and that's yeah. why it's gratitude, gratitude, gratitude is important. You know, just we have to be grateful to Allah Amen. for the good and especially Amen. the bad, especially Amen. the bad. because the bad there's no good without bad and there's no bad without good and, and you can't find and you always find good in bad and you always find bad in good so it's subhanallah you have to think about life as a package and it is a package but um yeah i mean in terms of other services um yeah specializing you know in in different anger things management yeah anger management i mean uh, i'm a i'm a family uh, you know a family mediator as well so i do mediation you know between between husband and wife when when you know when things are, are falling apart i'm accredited you know just uh, to to run this kind of uh, mediation you know when instead of going to a lawyer instead of going to the courts instead of, i mean lawyers are important um, but then when you go to the court it's just there is a cost there but sometimes sometimes when i talk to couples who you know where there's couples fighting that need help it's there's this reluctance to go and get therapy because you know there's i don't know there's some sort of stigma around well, it but i think i think it's embarrassing Mm. I think it's embarrassing you worry that your dirty laundry would be out for the public yeah. <laughs> you know uh, all of these things you know you want to change your marriage you want to make a change 
uh, then you start realizing, hey, these are the old mistakes that yeah. I make that can be exposed. Yeah. You, I mean, we don't wait for our cars to break down before we get them serviced, right? Yeah, and but I, this has got emotions, this car. Oh. You need to go to the doctor. You, you feel sick, you go to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's going to get worse. Yeah, But when it comes to mental health, we have the complete opposite approach yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. We just let it build up that sickness. sickness well, well so our addictions help us um, uh, you know, overcome that want and that need. With mm. any other realm, you can have Panadol, <laughs> you can take Nurofen, you know what I mean? Um, with mental health, like Doctor mentioned, it, it, it's 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 a it's a it's a addiction that basically allows you to tag along, yeah. and yeah. continue. I think I think the most important thing as well is is to understand that we're failable, and to be comfortable with this. Mm. We have to be comfortable with the fact that we we are failable. Therefore, it's it's sometimes good to be vulnerable. Sometimes it's good to be because <laughs> being failable allows us to be humble. 100%. And Iman, does it, if, I've got, if I've got some sort of mental health issue, does that mean that my, uh, my Iman is weak or I don't, I'm, I'm not a good Muslim? Because I think oh. there's people that think that, oh, you know, I should just, uh, you know. I, I don't think anyone thinks like that. I, I think it's just the takabur, the pride in us. Mm. It's that ego in us that, you know, I'm going to be belittled or what would they think of me? Because the ideal person is a guy that's smart. We're told at school you're an A student, you're you're, you're amazing. Yeah. No one gets rewarded for being a D student. Yeah. No, no one's being uh, rewarded because they don't know how to handle their emotions. Mm. And, uh, and you know, someone handles their emotion by keeping quiet. Another one starts screaming. You know what I mean? So we've already we have we we have defined what is good, and everyone else is you know disgraced. And mm. I think that there has you know. Brought across, brought brought in the in the mentality of of the community. We don't have a community anymore, because pride is now isolated all of us. Mm. Well, let's let's put a hand up, myself and Robbie Rogan over here, um, for all you young people out there that you know were too scared to face. You know, to you think that especially for a man, I, I don't need to see help or I can sort this out on my own. Brother Robbie and I have come and seen you. It's fun enough. Yeah, for uh, everyone I, I out think, there. I think it's, it takes a step further. We shouldn't also be um, uh, scared to get criticism. A lot of us, I mean, even like podcasts, people are scared to come on a podcast because they're scared about the reviews. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Things what are like people going to think? Yeah. So one is coming out and the other is that if we want to make a difference in society, we need to live by an example. Mm. We first need to acknowledge that we do make mistakes. doesn't matter who we are. Mm. And we need to you know, come up to these public platforms like this mm. and share our thoughts. And you know, if someone wants to write a bad comment, or it's it's, it's okay. Yeah, but the thing is, again, we, we we have to stop living in the eyes of God uh, of people, and we start to you know the thing is, we need to start pleasing God and not pleasing people. True. You know, I think the problem is mm. the fact that we're trying to please His creation, and we forget about the Creator. You know, I mean, the thing is, again, we're worried about what X and Z say, and when we're not worried about what Allah's going to say. You know, yeah, so right. we should focus on, you know. <laughs> What's the, what's the end goal? What are you sure. trying to achieve? You know, are you trying to to get the likes, or are you trying to, you know, get your place in, in general? I mean, the, what what's what's your thing? You know, so it depends on what drives you. If if that drives you, it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm not here to judge. I'm, I'm, but the thing is, what I say is, you have to have the right. You have to have the right drive, and and it's all about intention. So intention, but also action. So you know, with that. Action, your intention is great, but 
is not enough. So just a disclaimer as well. Uh, I'm doing my PhD. I'm, I'm starting a PhD. So I'm a doctor. I'm not doctor yet. Uh, I'm a PhD candidate. Inshallah, isn't that so? I'll uh, make it easy for you. I'm sorry, man. Brother Akram, Jazakallah khair for coming. Yeah. We hope to have many discussions like this with you so we can get some insights yeah, on inshallah. how the mind works and why we do the silly things we do. Email Ikram, Jazakallah khair. It's always a pleasure to be on this podcast. It's always a pleasure to share you this know, space it's, with it's you. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a learning uh, platform. I think for us first, before anyone watching this, about how much we need to work on ourselves. You know, society starts by the individual. I always say that, um, uh, you know, in the plane, they always give advice that when the oxygen masks fall down, mm -hmm. put the oxygen mask on yourself first before uh, attending to your loved ones. Yeah. So I think being here, I'm putting the oxygen mask on myself first so that I can learn to be a better father, a better husband, a better human being, a better slave of in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah knows best. Inshallah, Imam. Jazakallah khair. Brother Dean, better late than never. <laughs> You're a beautiful man, a new father. How's, how's your baby boy going just he's before you take it away? He's a beautiful little he's human good. being. You got to see this kid. Mashallah, baby. So may Allah bless him. Put put little baby in the hand of a bear like this, finally it starts crying, man. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. So yeah, he was uh, talking about the baby. The baby's crying. <laughs> <not baby>. Yeah. <laughs> nah, Jazakallah. Everyone at home, Jazakallah. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to sharing this space with you again, inshallah. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum.